3: So welcome everybody to the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. Today I'm really excited to have with me Clementine Moss, and Clementine is the drummer for Zepparella, a Led Zeppelin band. And you may ask, why have you, why are you why are you interviewing a drummer? <laughs> but there are very clear, there's a clear explanation. So welcome, Clementine. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, now I've been reading, Clementine's written a beautiful book From Bonham to Buddha and Back. And for those of you who may or may not know, Bonham refers to John Bonham, the drummer, legendary drummer, iconic drummer with Led Zeppelin, um, with whom Clementine has probably quite, probably knows better than most people in the world, let's say, <laughs> <laughs> Um and yeah, it's a very unlikely, it's seemingly unlikely story, but tell us a little bit about you, about how you got started and where, because inevitably there has to be a spiritual angle where your spiritual journey and how it all began. And I mean, it's, all, it's all in the book and it's beautifully written, but yeah.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Rosa. Thank you so much for reading it and, and for um, for those kind words. So yeah, it seems unlikely, right? For uh, uh, <laughs> like, and I, I've had a couple of people say, you know, that seems like kind of a far stretch like Buddhism and and playing, you know, rock and roll. But that's why I wrote the book. And, um, you know, I'm from California. I live in San Francisco now, but I grew up in, in California. And, um, and I moved to New York City when I was 21 years old and I intended to be a writer and I was kind of floundering around because I didn't really know myself, you know? I didn't, um, you know, I, I felt like I didn't, uh, it's like, I, I just didn't, I, I guess I was a very late bloomer. Like I was, I really was just kind of like, uh, I don't know, I, I didn't know who I was and what I wanted to do. And I found drumming at 27 years old. Um, it was a series of circumstances Really, that's, late. I, that's quite yeah, late
3: to come to it yeah
2: that's right yeah and i took my first drum lesson when i was 27 and um and kind of immediately it was what i wanted to do was to play drums and um and so that was 30 years ago and the same pretty much in within the same year of me taking my first drum lesson, I went to my first uh, ten-day silent vipassana retreat, um, learning vipassana meditation. Okay.
3: So that's a very full-on way of doing a, a a meditation retreat. You know, there's meditation retreats and meditation retreats, and then there's vipassana. And I have talked about this before, and I, I was sort of I tentatively thinking, maybe I should do it, but it's a big deal. You
2: should do it. You should do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I highly recommend. I mean, the, the, um, you know, the SN Goenka was the teacher, and he intended to, you know, offer this uh, technique of meditation, very non denominational, really, I mean, it's Buddhist, um, but, um, but anybody, it's, he really focuses it on being just the technique, you know, the technique of meditation, the technique of sitting, And watching physical sensations in the body Mm -hmm. and coming to your own conclusions as to what's behind that observation. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. So,
2: um, and in a silent retreat, you hear so clearly those, you know, uh, it's like all of the voices in my head became one big voice, one megaphone, uh, like, because everything was so quiet after three days. And I really tuned in to what I had been listening to—the primary voice I had been listening to in my life—and mm. um, I realized that it was pretty negative, you mm. know, about myself, about um, a lot of judgment. Um, and so, you know, I started on that journey of kind of, you know, of of uh, internal contemplative practice. And I had been coming to that. I'd always been. A bit of a seeker especially through literature because I was a writer and and, um, really fascinated by the other realms and had some you know vaguely mystical experiences as a as a child and growing up and then um, you know so I was always very moving towards that I think yeah but then I was also had made a big commitment to be a creative person in my life and so when I found drumming suddenly I was in community. I was creating, I wasn't sitting in a room with a pencil and paper. Mm. I was a musician. I was a part of things. And I thought, you know, I want to know myself and I also want to know myself in the world, full on in the world and being a traveling musician, which I just kind of started touring a lot and having, you know, this, this whole, um, very in the world experience with all of the rock and roll excesses and everything Yeah. at the same time, being really interested in, you know, that internal world and understanding how I can move through that negativity. Yeah. And, um, you know, which is very amplified when you get on stage and, you know, you're in the public eye in this kind of in a bit. So, um, and so, uh, later, a couple you know 20 years later in 2016 i started writing a blog about those things about how i saw all that work that i did on the meditation mat what it looked like when i got up and got in the van and drove the girls you know in my van to the show and dealt with the promoter and you know like lack of sleep and being on stage and messing up a drum fill and you know all of these things that i have to do how does my meditation practice inform how i deal with those things in my life and i started thinking you know we, we think that there's our meditation life, our contemplative life, and then there's the rest of our life. There's our spiritual life, and then there's my going to work life. And I think as we um, move forward in everybody's, you know, understanding of spirituality, I think we're really realizing it's one thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one thing. And uh, the book was uh, meant to be a, a kind of
3: illustration of that. And it is. It's a beautiful illustration of that because you weave together. You know, you you're describing like being on stage with you know sweat pouring down, hair flying, you know, mad riffs, and you 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 know. I've it's really funny. I've listened to more Led Zeppelin in the last couple of weeks than I have in my entire life
2: so wonderful
3: <laughs> every time you every time you mention a, another song I'm like all right, all right I need to listen to this and I need to listen to uh, tune into the drum part as well so I know what she's talking about you know and listening to the hi-hat in the you know um what was the first one when the levy breaks is the one yeah the songs that you talk about a lot and I've listened to that a couple of times and it is really interesting it's given me a new a newfound respect for um for listening, for how to listen to music, you know, I mean, I feel like there's a very obvious way that music helps us because it's vibrational. Because it is, it we tune in with our bodies to the music. You know, the vibrations vibrate within us, and so it's a very healing thing. When you find that music that soothes your soul, everybody knows that it can take you to wherever it is you want to be, um, basically. But yeah, I think that it's it's a very interesting thing to consider being in the music as you are. It's one thing being a listener, but it's another person to be actually like really creating it and setting that, you know, setting the beat literally as you do and doing uh, all of that 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 you do, as well as being on the road and driving. And it's been a really it's been a very eye opening and I think very it's a fascinating um, and beautifully written book. But there's with all of that very hardcore practical stuff, you deliver it in such a way that it feels almost like meditation. Like the whole mm. book, because I'm listening to you, so I know you're very well. Um, the whole book feels like a meditative contemplation. Contemplation, yeah, that's the mm. right feel. That's how it feels because everything that you do, you're observing and is Mm -hmm. that is that how you because I know when I give people a meditation I'm just kind of trying to like drop little ideas and drop little moments of peace into their world so that they have that moment of like okay that was just for me I was just take a breath just 15 Mm. minutes or whatever it is um but to take it into the rest of your world it is it's quite easily destroyed you know the minute you get on public transport or onto the highway or wherever that mm-hmm. piece can just pff, just disappear yeah. Yeah. so how to take it from the mat into the real world is something that I know that you you can speak to really well yeah. so how how is that how has that been you know how have you done that what's your process in terms of
2: Yeah, well, I think that, you know, we, I I listened, I've been listening, you know, to your um, podcast quite a bit. And um, in one of them, you were talking about, um, you know, how some people, a lot of people say, oh, it's not for me. You know, I just sit and my mind just races and, you know, all of those things. Right. And, and, you know, everybody has a barrier to sitting. It's hard to unplug. It's hard to say. And for a lot of us, it's hard to say this time is for me right? Especially for parents and um, but there is a benefit to sitting down for five minutes and closing your eyes and or listening to one of your, you know, to a guided meditation. There is a benefit because what happens is that our reaction time begins to expand, right? So somebody cuts us off in traffic and there's a little bit of a lag you know, there starts to be a little lag where we are watching our anger, we start to see our anger rise up, you know, we, I think that we're born believing that we are our thoughts and that we we just start following our thoughts, following the trail of thought. And when you are sitting in meditation, the a big benefit is being able to realize, wait a minute, there's something within me that watches my thoughts i'm not my thoughts i'm not my emotions because i can see that they rise out of my past experience out of my dna all these things you know i have this thought this emotion that rises up but sitting allows you to be in that place that watches and the more five minute two minute time that we spend doing that um as we're moving through our life, we start to really be the observer. And so we can see our reaction time rise up. Now, I'm not saying I'm not I don't like fly off the handle and like, you know, something happens and I'm like, like immediately react. But I now I can kind of see oh wow how interesting that that was the trigger you know, like let me next time I sit in meditation, let me bring up frustration with people who cut me off in traffic or let me bring up that and just really see what happens in my body when that happens right. Um, So I think that that is um, you know that's the big benefit and then your life does become a kind of. uh, a kind of you're observing your life, but you're also, you know, for a number of years, I think I was doing that, what they call spiritual bypassing, which is where I became such an observer that I stopped really feeling. I stopped allowing myself to feel. And I remember one day having a conversation with a friend who was really upset about something that had happened in the world, some terrible tragedy, And I looked inside of myself and I realized I don't feel anything and I don't think that's right, I think i'm supposed to feel sorrow i'm supposed to feel grief for what's happened, and then I started on a whole different kind of path and that's what brought me. um, To the shamanic uh, tradition. um, Which i'm a depth hypnosis practitioner, which is a, a modality that. Mary's Buddhism and shamanism together to help people. And when I started studying shamanic technique, which is earth-based wisdom, I felt myself coming back into my physicality, into my, uh, my ability to feel fully, but allow the feelings to move up, just the way I was allowing my thoughts to move through, like come through and me not attaching a reaction to them. Now I'm allowing my feelings to come through, feel them fully and go.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think what you're saying about that, that thing where we spend too much time in our heads. Absolutely. I Mm -hmm. see that. I, you know, I recognize that a lot in people, people who do have a very, um, very purposeful, Almost kind of that's their purpose in life is to be spiritual and to spend all their time doing spiritual things and and meditating, you know, for hours on on an end every day and so on. They live up here in their crown and it's a beautiful head in the clouds place to be. But what the shamanic practice does is it, root, yeah, it roots you to the ground. It brings you back down into your root, into your grounding, and that is so vital. So this depth hypnosis and shamanism, they they go hand in hand, do they?
2: Yeah. So um, depth hey, hypnosis.
3: I always think, oh, that's exciting. Hypnosis. Yeah, that's a,
2: it it is.
3: A, yeah. Tell me a bit more about what depth hypnosis is.
2: Good. I'm glad you asked me that. So. Um... So depth hypnosis is created by, it's a modality created by a teacher in Berkeley, California named Issa Gucciardi. And um, she, um, if anybody, uh, anybody should look her up, she's a pretty remarkable woman, but um, she m- created a modality, a, a counseling modality that marries um, transpersonal psychology. So Western psychological method but, uh, the kind of, um, method that takes spirit into account, right? It's not all about the mind. Transpersonal psychology is, is, you know, kind of Jungian based, you know, taking in the bigger picture mm-hmm. into the therapeutic model and then, uh, Buddhism, especially Tibetan Buddhism, uh, because Tibetan Buddhism has a very strong tie to the shamanic tradition in Tibet called the bun tradition. And so in Tibetan Buddhism, there's a lot of, you know, sound and light um uh, uh that comes from the shamanic tradition. You know, Buddhism tends to, when it moves into an area, it takes on um the strengths of that culture, right? So you know, that's why there are so many different Buddhisms. Um, and then in um and then shamanic tradition and um so shamanic tradition is looked at as uh in this modality is looked at as earth-based wisdom so a shaman uh you know 95 percent of humanity has had a shamanic tradition and a shaman is someone who translates the messages of the natural world including those um, parts of the natural world that are unseen right the the other realms that we're not aware of in this 3d reality um and translates those messages to the tribe to the society Mm -hmm. and so um so we're trained to use in a therapeutic method, uh, method we're trained to use things like soul retrieval power retrieval um uh releases and um and these things that are traditionally shamanic, um, but also with a very strong uh, ethical base in which brings in the Buddhist um, aspect and using the mind um, to, because the mind is very important in Buddhism to be able to to focus, to, to pinpoint, you know, right mindfulness is very yeah. important yeah. Um, and then, uh, and bringing it into this therapeutic model. So um, it's been found to be incredibly helpful for things like PTSD, um, anxiety, depression. And when I found it, I had just gone through a um, contemplative psychotherapy program a uh, beautiful program for two years and somebody told me about ISA and about shamanism and I was like oh that is way too far out there right I like to be grounded in the world right but I thought you know let me just go and I'll schedule a session with a practitioner and I'll just see you know how it all fits together mm-hmm. and um and I came out of there thinking you know there are some personal thing blocks that I think I could really use help with and one of them was that negative voice that i had been you know looking at for so long and um, i did a few sessions and that voice quieted down to such a degree i felt like i um, it was so transformational and i thought i want to learn how to help people in this way Uh it's and what i'll say about it is that You know, I know a lot of your um, most of your listeners are very spiritually, you know, interested and grounded. But I really like the idea that somebody can come to this method and not believe in past lives, you know, not believe in, you know, um, in in that kind of cosmology, Mm -hmm. be very uh, in in the world and, and not even have a spiritual practice. And be able to see the work as your own connecting to your own metaphoric system. So if we do a past life regression right in the work and somebody goes and they see themselves say they see themselves in a. Um, in a jail cell and it looks like it's like you know the 1700s and there's you know a straw on the floor and they're this person and they're going through this thing. Um, and then we go through the process within the, uh, the session, um, to kind of move through that and heal that part, whatever it is, we can say, okay, well, for somebody who believes in a past life and it feels very like a past life, great. We've gone back and we've healed that aspect, you know, of our, whatever pattern, karmic pattern was created in that cell. Yeah. Yeah. We can heal. But for someone who doesn't believe that, we can say we've healed that aspect of yourself that feels that kind of despair. That's a metaphor for the kind of despair that you've been struggling with. And that's informing these behaviors and these patterns that keep showing up in your life that you'd really like to unravel. So I I love that Issa has created this thing that is incorporating these incredibly esoteric modalities but putting him in such a grounded container that it's really empowering for people. And and shamanism is about creating um, the understanding of your own personal power. Yeah. The shaman isn't the one who the shaman is the guide, but they're not the knower. You are the knower of your own power. And it's just, we're just helping people come into that power. So that's kind of a long-winded explanation. No,
3: I love that yeah. explanation because what I'm what I'm hearing is that this that depth hypnosis is really accessible, whether you are a spiritual and out there and woo woo as you could possibly want to to be, or if you are just suffering with very 3D in in yourself. Because I think wherever you are on your spiritual journey, wherever you are as a person. Anybody who says, Yeah, I've managed to, I don't have any negative voices. My inner voice is lovely. They're mm. super kind and generous. I'm <laughs> doing a lovely job all the time, <laughs> you know, is telling lies because I think everybody has, everybody has that um that thing. And and it's you know, it, it comes from from the from the experiences that we've had in this life and potentially an experience that we've had from last life. And I think that's why it's really, really useful to have such a a brilliant, as you said, empowering practice that can give you um, access to that, even if you don't believe in it. And I think that that is really, really clever, Mm
2: -hmm. really
3: important because you can help everybody. Everybody can find that, um, find healing within that. So that is very powerful. So when you say, you know, is it, is it a hypnosis? Is it kind of like being in a lead, uh, you know, being led into your past lives through, you know, sort of meditative thing that gets, you get led into it. And just, that's right. You just, that's right. You, could, you just fertile around a little bit in the back of the brain and in the, in the spirit and just find out where these things are hiding. So.
2: Well, uh, we use the shamanic journey and uh, the shamanic, and often we're using a drum a frame drum to, um, you know, which is kind of where all of my pieces.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Where does the drumming come in with your healing practice? Yeah, That's
2: right. That's right. When I, when I went to the shamanic, my first class was the shamanic journey workshop. And at that time it was before the pandemic. So it was in person in this beautiful center that they have in in Berkeley. And, um, and when the drum came out, uh, it's like light bulbs went off. And you know, the funny thing about that first workshop um, was that I was sitting next to two people, um, uh, a couple who um, had just lost their, their teenage daughter, and, um, and she was a drummer. And when I was talking to her, when I was talking to them, they told me about her learning this Rush song, which is something that I had learned a couple months prior. And I thought, I'm sitting in this workshop of 20, 25 people in a circle, and I'm sitting next to these people and who lost their drummer, their daughter, who is a drummer, who has this same connection to music that I have. And I just thought, I am in the right place. Like this, I felt like, all of the pieces in my life, all these funny, you know, spiritual lady and uh, drummer lady and writer lady, all these things. It just, just, I, I thought this is where it is. So yeah. going back to the, the way we work, we work with the drum, um, or other forms of, um, of sound, but mostly the drum, the drum has been found going back 80,000 years to be used in this way to, um, to induce that trance state, the yeah. sound of a red, repetitive drum. Uh, uh, there, um, you know, there are uh, studies uh, that show that it induces a kind of meditative state. Mm-hmm. And for people who have a hard time, you know, I can't quiet my mind, you know, um, the drum is you know, a repetitive
3: sound is yeah. immensely helpful for that yeah yeah you know things like binaural beats and uh, you know it's just that repetitive like they if i if i have a super busy head or if i'm trying to focus and work or write something i always put on something around that something that has that that sort of and it is it's very focusing but it's all part of ritual and my god don't we love ritual as human beings we have ritual has been the thing that has created us as 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 who we are as human beings without ritual we're nothing and even even lots of animals have ritual as well it's something very innate to life it's a very life affirming thing isn't it to have that ritual and drum is the probably one of the first instruments you know even just hitting a stick against a rock was probably the first instrument, and there you are doing exactly the
2: same. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It, it's uh, it, as I was writing the book, I really, I really came to see how how deep my connection to the drums go. And I just read this book called "When the Drummers Were Women," and it is about how um, you know the first even image that they've found is of a, a drum or a drumstick, you know, it's like drumstick and um, and f- vulva, like female anatomy, right? Birth and, um, you know,
3: and and drumming and yeah. regeneration. Because you can and imagine it, that in, in the, back in the day, in the caves, you know, if as a woman was giving birth, you would imagine all the other women would gather around and beat a drum to just like help her through it because Lord only knows you need to be taken into some kind of a trance state. And you think about even now people like to have their music there you know, yeah. yeah, I can totally, totally. Yeah. See that. yeah. So,
2: and yeah. And women were the, for, you know, all of those years, they were the priestesses. They were the spiritual aspect, you know, yeah. of humanity. Um, yeah. And when the first thing that happened, one of the first things that happened when, um, you know, kind of the the Western religions or the Christianity came in was they outlawed the drum. You know, they outlawed women playing drum. Um, it's too powerful. So, yeah, it's powerful.
3: Yeah. It is powerful. Yeah. So, what do you? What do you? Um, <laughs> I was just going to ask because I'm I'm just interested. Like all your bandmates, I mean, you've been Zapparella's been going for years. Like you're yeah. well established band um who what do all your your bandmates make of you are they do they follow a similar path do they join you in meditation or do they just think "Oh, Clementine's off just off doing her thing again <laughs> no
2: i i learn so much from them i mean yeah. they they all have their own uh practices and their own um you know deeply spiritual um aspects and we do meet and you know it's a it's a experience of real mutual respect you know and um and i i um i think that as any musician opens to that anybody who is in touch with their creative side they are open to that i mean a musician has to sit down for hours on end and play repetitive things over and over i mean that's meditation yes you know and i was thinking that when you were also in that piece where people were talking about how difficult uh, meditation can be, you know, go for a walk. Walking is meditation. You know, you don't have to, if sitting is difficult for people and movement, for me, driving can be meditation. Yes. You know, I drive a lot and I I find that I can be just as introspective, just as contemplative when I'm driving and my body is doing something else. Basically, Vipassana is putting that, that front attention of your your mind on something which is sensation moving up and down the body to w- observing sensation it's making your mind busy so you can open to mm-hmm. that place mm-hmm. behind you so a walk can do that a run can do that sitting and playing a guitar line over and over and over trying to perfect it you can do it that way it's so um you know i think letting go of of the rule, you know, uh, pe- the rules people put on themselves, I think, can be very freeing and open
3: up yeah. to them. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number.
1: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: I miss Mr. Anger, who I trained as an anger teacher. Sort of not not so much anger anymore, but he used to say he never. You know, in, within that tradition, meditation was never taught because he's like, "Well, your yoga is your meditation. Mm-hmm. Like you're so." Anything that you do when you're when you lose track of time, where you are thinking solely focused, concentrated on one thing, Mm -hmm. whether it be your breath, because you're sitting in meditation, or whether it be you're just trying to perfect your dog pose, and that's like all the internal battles that go along with all of that. But you know, even if it's doodling or writing, you know, not things that are. External, so not watching television, people. I'm afraid. <laughs> um, <laughs> because people are like, Oh, well, I'm not thinking, I'm not thinking about anything else but that. No, you know, anything in which you lose yourself and it creativity, create creative things. So, music, art, pottery, yoga, walking, swimming, you know, all of those can definitely be a meditation if you choose to make them such. You go, yeah. Actually, I'm just going to be, and then noticing noticing that you're in that space where time has been suspended and you just are right and there's something so beautiful so yeah
2: because what what rises in there what how interesting to see what it is what it is there
3: you know yeah one of the other things that I'm really interested to ask you about is um the aspect of sound healing Mm -hmm. because sound healing is it's a really interesting thing so I was talking before we met about where I live and I live like right in the middle of well not in the middle of nowhere right on the edge of nowhere it's probably more likely because I'm right on the coast and it is uh you know it's not cosmopolitan in any way shape or form around where I live however a couple of villages over every month there are these ladies who show up with these beautiful gongs and the rain mm. thingies and the what sits and the and they do an hour beautiful you know sand bath. Uh, sound healing session and everybody piles in with their blankets and their cushions and it's gorgeous and it makes me so happy that there is in this boondocks world that I live in people (laughs) sound healing has made it this far but you know it used to be a thing where like yeah I went to Ibiza man and you know we did the sound healing and it was really cool no you can do it anywhere sound healing has become really mainstream which is so fantastic but for you what does sound healing and how, you know, because I know you do sound healing. I think you do sound healing. Am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah. yeah uh-huh, so what does it look like for you and and how did you? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear how you got into it, but talk to me a little bit yeah. about that part of your life.
2: Yeah. So, but sound healing for me is something that is, um, you know, it, it shows up when I'm in session with people, um, I'm using my voice, I'm using, um, especially singing bowls and, um, but my sessions are, uh, generally over the phone. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm using it energetically, you know, when we say, when we're working, um, you know, energy medicine, it, it's not, it doesn't have to be local. Right. So, in the modality of depth hypnosis there is quite a bit of energy medicine going on kind of behind the scenes as i'm working um and um you know my guides and um and so that's how it's been showing up is just this thing that happens like i'm called to do these things while we're working right especially when people are going through their own internal healing you know their guides are healing them for you know, the, whatever process we've just done. Um, but I have been getting, you know, for quite some time, I've been getting these, um, these kind of dreams and, and messages about, um, how to work, uh, one, like with people in session in person. So when that happens, um, when I am able to be in person with people, um, I think that that's really going to open up in a new way. I keep getting these these uh, really fun dreams where I'm kind of moving with the sound into places um, in people's bodies and, and in, in their energy systems. So that's still um, being created for me. As far as um, that kind of sound healing that you're talking about, where you're creating for like a big group of people, I don't know if that's where I'm going to like, I don't know where it's going to take but me. You, you know? do
3: that already, Clementine. Like, that's what you do when you and your band get up on stage. The people who come to you to watch separella that is sound healing for them. You are that's what I
2: think thank you so much for saying that because I feel that you know I I have a I remember there was a moment in this like 300 person club and it was just a beautiful thing and I just felt the sound lifting the whole room up you know all together all one being us coming together and lifting up and you know I I I really intend to be a clear channel for that when I'm playing. Like I I do really, it's so important for me to feel the music going out. And Led Zeppelin is a beautiful music to do that. I mean, it is big and powerful and and kind of guy-driven in a lot of ways, but really the the message in all of the songs is really about love and all of its different, you know, the ways that it shows up in our lives. And then it the music is so beautiful um, and that power is transportive and it's music that has been with people at their weddings at the birth of their children at, um, you know when they were teenagers and felt young and free um, you know it was solace during grief I mean it is so much for people and to be um, someone who can bring that to, to people, bring those old feelings. Cause that's what I do when I play. I close my eyes and remember being a miserable 14-year-old and how that music felt like mm. there was another world, there was potential in the world.
3: That's yes. I mean, it's you've you've given yourself some very, very big boots to fill, you know. <laughs> of, know. Of, out of Led Zeppelin, and I'm not of obviously not a mad that's Zeppelin, so I know them obviously, but you know. John Bonham, I know his name, and I'm not a big, you know, uh, rock and roll heavy. I don't know how you call it heavy metal, but you know, I, that's not really, on the whole, my kind of music. But even I know who John Bonham is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, it.
2: you're in England too. <laughs> yes, it's true,
3: it's true, but um, to fill those boots, like to 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 take on his mantle, because he was so. Beloved as the most extraordinary drummer, you know anybody in musical circles will go, yeah, he's the man. Like he's the standard, he's the gold standard, and everybody else kind of, you know, we try to get there. And there you are going, yeah, here I am doing his piece, his part. It's ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. (laughs) How does that feel? Like I, you know, obviously with everything we've talked about you're spiritual you're connected do you feel connected i mean how connected do you feel to john bonham i
2: um i feel um that um how would i say it so You know, when I was 27 and I started playing drums and I started meditating, I lost my father, right? My father was, um, very uh, like John Bonham in a lot of ways. He was built like him. He was, um, very loved music intensely. He was very magnanimous. Um, He could be, um, you know, John Bonham wasn't the nicest guy when he was drinking. And my dad could be, you know, definitely had moods. So um, that um, there's something about my connection to John Bonham, because my dad never saw me play drums. um, But he would have loved it. And there's something about my connection with John Bonham that is working something out. With my relationship with my father and I have had many dreams where I'm walking arm in arm with John Bonham with my arm around him where we're driving in cars where we're you know, like I, I feel like. And then i'm getting into somebody's the drumming is physicality so it's like i'm getting into his body in a way because i'm trying to do exactly how he did it. And so it really is this almost intimate feeling of being in his body and this is how he would do it and and interpreting, you know, how he would move out of how I'm moving with this um, in playing and so the connection is in all of these different you know, these different levels from the physicality of it to listening, you know how he's relating to the other instruments as I, what in what he played as to what i'm playing and being like oh he's listening to the bass there because he's playing against it you know these. These kind of subtle musical things and then there's the bigger thing of somebody who is expressing himself through his creative through his physicality through his creative output and i have a sense of him you know he and my father were a year apart and i have a sense of these men being of a generation that were not allowed to express their um their emotional their emotions you know i know that from my father yeah it was yeah you know it was this this that i mean i think that's why he died he couldn't express his his stuff you know so um so yeah the the connection that i feel with john bonham now the fact that i'm playing his parts to me i say it's ridiculous because you know i mean first of all nobody is john bottom because the magic of john bonham is the way that he interpreted time and there's nobody else who can do it the way he did it just the way there's no one who can interpret it the way i do it i mean everybody's unique but his interpretation somehow hits some kind of basic knowing within humanity and that's why everybody knows his name right so for me to even get think that i can even get close to that i let that go and i just close my eyes and feel the love i feel for the music and try to do my best you know and beat myself up for all the ways that i will never be do what he does and never be him and then just do my best and that's all you can do
3: yeah no I love I love that because it definitely feels to me as though you you have a you do have a kind of spiritual connection with him like you couldn't be any closer you know without you know when you're playing the music and and listening to it in that amount of detail that's mm. it's you know this is one of the lovely things that comes across in your book I mm. think is this this you finding yourself within all of these different aspects of this man who you know who played this music who affected so many lives but you're finding your own interpretation of yourself within that and Mm. um it's such a powerful message and it's one that so many people can relate to and so many people can identify and like you know it's 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 as tangible as it can be when it's music, do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And
2: yeah,
3: so I, 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 I really, I really love that. Um, and I think that, and it's, it's kind of, um, I always think it's quite comforting to hear when people who've been working on their spirituality for so long, as you have, mm-hmm. say that you still battle with that inner mm-hmm. negative voice. <laughs> Oh God! Because I think, honestly, I think there are so many people who just go, "How am I ever going to like, get rid of that?" How you know, and and so it's really lovely to hear you say that. You know, even though you've done all this work, even though all this practice and this everything that you've done and experiences that you've had in your life, you still have to do the work. You still have to access that part of you that will allow that release of the yeah. you know, to come. So yeah, if you have like th- a little tip for people who are like, okay, I I know my inner critic is, can be really mean sometimes. And it's usually on this particular thing. What would your, mm-hmm. is there a, is there a thing that you could give somebody just mm-hmm. trying to get them out of that loop when they're in it?
2: Well, one thing that I might say is, you know, when you hear yourself, um, bad mouthing yourself, <laughs> you hear that inner critic, mm. One thing might be to say, what, first of all, um, what is the benefit that this is trying to give me? Right? So when I'm beating myself up for not being able to do something on the drums, what is it really, how is that benefiting me? It's benefiting me because I know that I want to do my best and that I want to, um, and that I want to uh, and I don't want to fail at you know uh, expressing all of these things that I've said that I wanted to express I want to express and so what my critic is telling me is that it's necessary for me to truly show up and what that means is warm up before the show practice You know, not kill myself practicing, but show up for 15, 30 minutes a day to to connect with the drums um, and keep that flow going. And when I hear that negativity, I can say to it, okay, I messed up this time, or, you know, yes, I'm not the best drummer in the world, but I'm going to do my best, and that's all that's required of me. I'm going to do my best. That's all that's required of me. When I have these negative feelings like, um, oh, you know, you're not, you've gained too much weight. You've, um, you know, you, you don't look good in your clothes. You're, nobody's going to take you seriously because you obviously can't control what you're eating. Like all of those kind of things that come up, which is what, you know, has been my cross to bear in this life, right? With many others yeah, I think, okay, what is the benefit of those thoughts? And I think, honestly, the benefit of those thoughts is to, um, to help the bigger culture, to make me believe what the bigger culture is telling me about the way that people are supposed to look, about the value of, um, of, um, of only particular body types, you know, that, what the benefit of that all of those messages first of all those aren't my messages those are coming from elsewhere and they're trying to benefit other people yeah, this, yeah. they're trying to make me want to buy a bunch of stuff you know to and and feel bad about myself yeah, so yeah. it's somebody else's benefit yeah. now if i look at what the those things are of benefit to me they're maybe be more mindful before i eat so that I don't feel bad. So I can feel as healthy as possible. So I can feel a sense of nourishing. If I remember before you eat to stop and remember that you're nourishing your body and it's necessary to nourish your body and your body gets you around in the world. And it, 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 you know, it's something that is asking for love. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: so how about if the benefit of hearing that negativity about myself is that it just reminds me that I'm okay, that my body's moving me down the road and that I'm healthy and that, um, and, and that other stuff is not mine. So I don't know, just a couple of vague
3: oh, ideas. No, those are, that's such a good question. What is the benefit of my mind telling me that rubbish yeah. of dropping that evil, thing that could make me feel miserable and drag me down and stop me from going out or stop me from applying for a job that I really want or stop me from you know going up and saying hi to somebody who you think mm. you might really like to be friends with or whatever yeah I think that is a fantastic tip thank you mm. thank you very very much indeed so listen tell um I think your uh the website that I found for you, fantastic name that you have is clem the great
2: <laughs> i did that so long ago i was like what was i thinking when i decided <laughs> that was gonna be my
3: website. Obviously, assignment. somebody t- somebody named you that at some point and i'm sure i'm sure it's absolutely true but you can find clem on ins- your instagram is clem the great am i right i think that's right The uh-huh. website uh-huh. is clem clem com. yep that's it own it it's fantastic because you <laughs> You no, know, <laughs> legendary, I, I do I <laughs> think And all of your your so you offer um you know, your depth hypnosis practitioner, shamanic practitioner, spiritual counselor uh morphic awakening and we haven't even gone there oh my god we may have to come back to that medicine sound healing medicine energy medicine so many beautiful things you offer and people people can reach you at dot is that correct for that's
2: right yeah
3: plus yeah. It's beautiful book it's such a beautiful book and i mean it, I am really enjoying the audiobook because I find it really soothing. Your voice is, you. is gorgeous and it's so, you're, it's very evocative. The images that you paint of, you know, sort of sweaty rooms full of people jumping around to rock music, <laughs> but in this beautiful, sweet, soft voice that you have, it's its like it's like being in a movie. It's its beautiful. so oh, you're uh, so from, kind. From Bonham to Buddha and back is clementine moss's book so please do go and look it up and it's available on amazon and all other you know all of that good stuff so thank you clem thank you so much for taking the time to spend with me today i really really appreciate it it was
2: such a treat i just love this conversation thank you so so much